don't know if you've ever forgotten a special date, a specific occasion. You know, typically this past week was Valentine's, gentlemen, I hope you know that. Typically I try to remind you that it's upon us, but I was not here last week. I don't know if Andrew or anyone else was able to do that for you to kind of run cover, but if, if they were not, hopefully that didn't catch you by surprise, but there's so many occasions within the course of our life that we don't want to forget birthdays, anniversaries, specific things that mean a lot to us. Maybe it's even just a degree or two removed from us, not our immediate family, but maybe an extended family, and there's a graduation, and we want to celebrate that. Whatever the case may be, when we pass through certain portions of life journey, we're there for one another, and if we forget that, I can tell you this, it would only be once more than likely, and then we would be a little more in tune. And so I was looking at what I guess we could call, I think this is the way they term this stuff today, right? Some life hacks as it comes to memory and remembering. And some of these are going to seem rather obvious. You probably already do them, but one of them is to write it down. That's pretty basic, right? If you're wondering, maybe you need to write it down. Another one is to say it out loud, to repeat it. Create a routine. If you have this habit, and the older I get, I'm constantly like, where did I put my keys? So now I've got an habit like, I'm going to put them the same place every time and every occasion. So hopefully they're there unless nobody's playing a trick on me in my home and has moved them, right? So we create that routine. We, we also might use catchy acronyms, rhyming words, maybe put it in a song, some way we can remember it. This is good when it comes to like testing information. I know we got some teachers in the room, right? You like it when your students can do well because they've remembered phrases, whatever it may be. But when all else fails, if none of that really has worked for you, I would just tell you this, there's an app for that, right? It's called the Remind or the Reminders app. You can just put it in your phone and you can even just say, hey Siri, tell me to do such and such, when the time comes. You know, throughout Scripture, we see a premium placed on remembrance and remembering. There's an invitation, a call to us to remember. And it started with God remembering and modeling this idea of remembrance and this practice of remembrance for us. If you've been Following along and journeying with us in the church-wide reading plan, you may have run across some of that. Listen, it's not because God has a memory problem as to why it would say so many times already in Genesis, and we're going to look at a few of these as I reference them, God remembered. But it's for us to understand and to know that He is the one who keeps His promises. And so we've been reading And seeing God remembering several times. Here's a couple examples. It says in Genesis chapter 8 and verse 1, and God remembered Noah. Shortly thereafter that in Genesis 9 and verses 15 and 16, it says, I will remember my covenant. God speaking about the fact that he made a promise and the symbol of that promise, what is the rainbow? And so in verse 16 of chapter 9, he says, and I will look at it, the rainbow in the sky, and I will remember my promise to you never to destroy the entire earth again by a worldwide flood you know in Genesis 19 in verse 26 it says so God remembered Abraham he remembered his promise 
that promise that he made with him starting in chapter 12 and carrying it out as Abraham obeyed with a heart of humility. It says he left familiarity, his family, his hometown, and he went to a place that he didn't know where he was going. He went to a place God would eventually show him. Then it says in Genesis 30 and verse 22, when God was forming his people, the nation of Israel, with these 12 sons of Jacob, that God remembered Rachel. Unable to have a child, but at this point he remembered her and his heart toward that promise that I'm going to carve out a people from the family of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to be a nation with by that avenue I will bring my son into the world. We're not yet into uh, the book of Exodus, but when we get there in just a few weeks, Early on in that book, you're going to see this. And God heard their groaning, the cry of his people in oppression from the Egyptians. And it says, and he remembered. What does this show us? It shows us that God is about keeping his word, remembering what he's told us, acting upon it, and then following through. And then when we lose sight of that, because we get to be driven by our circumstances, our experience, he reminds us. He reminds us. It tells us this as well, that long before Jesus ever said, do this in remembrance of me to his disciples, guess what? God remembered us. There were symbols of remembrance throughout the Old Testament as well. We talked about one. We talked about the rainbow. There was also circumcision. There was also a stack of stones that they would put up as a monument and a memorial, as a remembrance. There's also the tablets. We know them as the Ten Commandments where God placed His covenant law to remind us of how we can live, but we can't live that in and of our own strength, right? We need the Spirit of God in us to live that way. There was also in the Old Testament the Ark of the Covenant, a symbol and a reminder of God's presence. Perhaps the greatest evidence that God remembered us and the greatest symbol of all is the cross of Christ. And the Lord's Supper represents this. And before we go to that encounter that Jesus had with His followers, that close meal with the twelve, I want to take you over to the book of Psalms and just read. It's going to come on the screen as well, but I want to read Psalm 70, which incidentally in my Bible is known as a Psalm of Remembrance. And the title is, O Lord, Do Not Delay. Bring your deliverance. And it's a Psalm of David. And you can think about David's life, right? He was a warrior king. And so he had a lot of people hunting after him. And so specifically, he's saying, Lord, deliver me from my enemies. Remember me in my circumstance. But more broad for us is the longing of this psalm to say, bring a complete and satisfactory deliverance from my sin. And so here's what Psalm 70 says. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. 
Let them be put to shame and confusion, those who seek my life. Let them be turned back and brought to dishonor who delight in my hurt. Let them turn back because of their shame, those who say, aha, aha. May all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation. You think about this reference to God's salvation even showing up in the Old Testament. May those who love your salvation say evermore, God is great. He's more than capable. Reminds me of that old saying from an ancient pastor from time gone by. I have a great need for Christ, right? But I have a great Christ for my need. Those of us who understand that realize God is great. But I am poor and needy. Hasten to help me, O God. You are my help and my deliverer, O oh Lord, do not delay. And the elements of Christ's sacrifice, the bread and the cup, symbols, evidence that God made good on David's plea and on the plea of so many throughout history who would cry out and say, God, I need you to come in and save my life. I can't do this on my own. I need forgiveness of sin, and the only way that happens is through your son Jesus. And so these these elements are not literal, but they're symbols of who God is, what he's done, and what Christ did for us, and all that that means. And so it's that moment, it's that act of sacrifice that we are called to remember as believers. And so I want to take you over to Luke chapter 22. Just bring us to that moment in the book of Luke where the Lord's Supper happens and see what is written here and then just remark on it briefly and then we'll experience these elements in the Lord's Supper together as a church. One of the ordinances that God gave us is ordinance of the observing of the Lord's Supper. So here's what it says, Luke 22 and verse 14. And when the hour came, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he said, take this and divide it amongst yourselves. For I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten saying, this cup is poured out for you. It is the new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. So as we are called to remember this morning, I want to just say to you that the Lord's Supper reminds us of three things. First of all, it reminds us of God's love and mercy. This is who God is toward us. Yes, he is holy. Yes, he is just. Yes, he is righteous. But I want to tell you, thankfully, His approach to us is one of mercy and love. The scripture would say over in the book of Romans this, it is your kindness, Lord, 
that leads us to repentance. Because of the love of God poured out for us so undeserved, it's mindful of us. It makes us aware of our own sin condition that separates us from Him. And it, by the power of the Holy Spirit, will drive us to the Savior. You know, mercy is God's withholding of wrath, while love is God's sacrificial demonstration in Christ. Romans 5, 8, what does it say there? But God demonstrated His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And He acted in that manner for our good. What a Savior we have. This is a reminder of God's love and mercy. But not only that, the Lord's Supper reminds us of where forgiveness comes from. It doesn't come from any other source other than the the blood of Christ, the sacrifice of the Savior, right? We just finished singing the song, I plead the blood. And even before Jesus came in the Old Testament, what did God instruct His people to do? To take the blood, offering up a lamb, spotless and without blemish, to symbolize the perfect sacrifice that would come in the future of Jesus, and to take that blood of that lamb and to put it on the doorpost to, in effect, make a cross, That way the angel of death would pass over and they would be spared. That that is what forgiveness is for us. That's a picture in the book of Exodus of our forgiveness in Christ. While God's wrath was withheld from us, you know what? It had to be poured out somewhere. And God chose to pour it out on His one and only Son. And that's what brings us forgiveness. Forgiveness is an erasing of our sin that only comes through Jesus. It's not going to come because I work harder, because I do better. It's only going to come into my life because of what Jesus has done for me. That familiar hymn, right? What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood. Nothing but the blood. So the Lord's Supper reminds us of God's love and mercy. It reminds us of where forgiveness comes from. And then finally, I just want you to see this real quick. It also reminds us of the truth that there's more to this life. There's more to this life. With the struggles we face, we can often see life through what we're going through. We're going to be circumstantially driven. Life is more than our circumstances, and the cross is a picture of that. It's a picture of the reality. It's proof, if you will, that there's more to this life. Even this morning, the verse of the day said that Jesus was put to death in the physical realm, but guess what? He was made alive in the spiritual realm so that we too can live with Him. There's more to this life than just the here and now, the cross, these elements of the bread and the cup. They point us to an eternity and what awaits us. And if we know Christ and we're in Him, then guess what? The future that awaits us is one of a heavenly home with Jesus Himself. If Christ can endure for us what the Scripture speaks of that He went through on our behalf, all the the agony, the suffering, the pain, and the death, then we can also endure with Him till the end. He promised us a home, and He made that possible through His sacrifice on the cross. And so when you came in this morning, 
you receive the bulletin, on the back side of that bulletin, there's a description of what the significance of the Lord's Supper really involves and is all about. And I would just say to you that we here at Calvary Woodworth believe that this is an experience for those who've trusted Christ as their Savior. And so if you've placed your faith and trust in Jesus, whether you're a member here or not, we want you to feel the freedom to be involved in this experience this morning as we partake of the Lord's Supper and we remember what Christ did on our behalf.